Welcome to the Debra Unfiltered Podcast. We are your hosts, Awa Mary, Dr. Nafi, and Anafai Badnar. We are here to engage, educate, and hopefully empower you. Today's episode is going to be a continuation from first episode. And uh, season three, first episode, we all got to share our experiences being in the Gambia. Of course, we had a little bit of technical difficulties because we were just a little bit rusty. It's been a couple of weeks, but we're back and ready to give you guys a continuation of discussing more about topics about our visit in Gambia, some of the things we observed. Um, Mainly, we'll be discussing the healthcare system, and we'll get to hear a little bit more from Dr. Nafi to share any tips and tricks about traveling to Gambia, how to navigate the healthcare system. We'll also discuss um, other couple things that we observed that we would like to shed a light on and just, you know, have an open and fair discussion, I would say. Oh, Mary, firstly, I wanted to get into this, what I noticed, which is that a lot of the households are being run by women. Of course, you and Dr. Nafi were like, this is nothing new. In Gambia, most households you find it's the women. Right. But I felt like this time around, what I noticed is, especially for the young Gambians from the diaspora who are coming back home and they're ready to get married, but they're not finding the men that are their equal. So it's kind of like they're marrying down just so they could be married. And then they're financially responsible for the household. Did you notice any of that? Um, so, well, first off, there's this joke that we actually, um, my, um, my not siblings, but my cousins and, and I, we always say like, especially where we grew up, I grew up in Canafing South. Uh-huh. And um, there's this joke that all the all the pas, all the the dads are dead because they they had multiple wives, or you know um, they were they were cheating outside, so the women literally killed them. Um, so then then jehaldal, you know, there's this joke, whatever. And so we all laugh about it, but really, it's it's very sad to know that you know most of these homes, obviously, um, unfortunately, um, the dads, you know. Um, uh, lost uh, in this case obviously deceased and um, it's the households have been now managed by just women alone but like you know we mentioned before the before the recording is that this has been ongoing for a very long time especially for women bring being breadwinners of the homes is just that it was just really that sutra mentality or you know the culture of you know the hush hush and um, keeping it under 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 wraps but we all knew that women were definitely taking care of the household mm-hmm. now going back to the point of what you're saying that you know most of these women that went abroad studied and coming back home they're marrying you know maybe somebody who's not as as educated to their standards or uh, marrying um, just anybody and for me here's my thing right obviously you want to marry for love Um, it has to be obviously for the main for the right reasons which is love but then love and marriage comes with a lot more sacrifices. So sometimes when you're just getting into a marriage because you just want to get married, just to have that title of I'm a missus now, then you're doing it for the wrong reasons. And in this case, you see a lot of those marriages that will end up happening 
where you don't see the happiness in it. You can go along um, because, again, you're just doing it for the title and then you end up going back um, or you have to travel back and forth to to be with your husband and then your husband couldn't find a visa. It's just it can be definitely complicating. Mm-hmm. And um, and to be honest, I feel like, um, you know, I think our culture just pushes all these women into like you have to settle in and settle down. But I always wonder, like, why is it so difficult that they don't want to marry outside of the race? Like, why can't they just say, OK, I'm going to marry somebody else? Does it have to be a champion? That will be my question for you, um, Dr. Nafi. Mm. That's actually a good question. And <clears throat> excuse me. And I know we've talked about this before because us three hosts, um, well, I would say two out of three of us as hosts are married to non-Gambians. So we have talked about this topic before. And I think it's not just um, specific to Gambia. It's not, it's not just Gambians who are saying, oh, I want to just marry a Gambian guy or a Gambian girl. It's, it's pretty much similar in most countries you go to and in most races that you go into. People just want to marry what they know and what they're comfortable with, you know, and what's familiar to them. And so it's not necessarily a bad thing to be a Gambian and want to marry a Gambian. That's normal. That's a normal process of thinking to to have that. Mm -hmm. So what is abnormal is to have this mindset that only a Gambian, you know, spouse can make you happy or only good men are only Gambian men. That is not a good mentality or thinking to have because first of all, both of those are not true. Not only Gambian men can make you happy if you are open-minded and give it a try. And that good people, good men and women come in every color and every culture. So Mm -hmm. if you open up your mind enough to say, hey, I've been trying to find a Gambian man for years, and I have not come, you know, I am not successful in finding one. Perhaps open your mind up and say, I'm just going to say I'm looking for a good man, number one, a God-fearing man, and then just list things that are most important to you. And um, for me, when I was um, looking for a spouse, um, or when I had this mindset that, okay, I want to get married, my list was pretty much, it was not that long of a list. It's literally things that were most important to me, which like we've listed them before in the past is that the person, like respect is high, loyalty is high. They have to be a good person. You know what I mean? Basic stuff like that. And, and guys, this is not just particular to Gambian men. You can find this type of man all over the world. You know what I mean? So we, sh- we shouldn't limit ourselves to saying, but it is a mentality that we have, and it's one that's been pushed on for generations, right? You, you grow up in a Gambian household, in a Gambian community, and you hear people are saying, you better marry a Gambian guy, you better not bring home an, an, you know, like an, an outsider. And we've seen when people marry outsiders, how some of those people are treated. They're not readily accepted in the community. And Mm -hmm. so I think that's one of the reasons why 
most people would rather just keep the status quo by marrying a Gambian, keep things copacetic, you know, mom's happy, dad's happy, aunties and uncles are happy, nobody's gossiping about me marrying an outsider, I'm okay. So mm -hmm. most people do that just to keep the status quo, even though they're struggling to find a good Gambian man. And in some cases, they would rather marry beneath what it is they're looking for. You know, they would settle to marry a Gambian guy who otherwise they would have never married. But hey, he's a Gambian guy. So I guess half a loaf is better than none kind of idea or mentality. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. See, I, and, and that's my point, Dr. Nafi, because I feel like more women have become head of household, mm -hmm. not only in the Gambia, but even in the U.S., especially when we're talking about black women. Mm -hmm. More black women mm -hmm. have become head of household. More black women have become homeowners. More black women are financially independent and stable. Mm -hmm. And of course, women have reached higher education. Their income levels are higher. Um, and also you have a lot of them just because of the financial freedom, they're able to live the lifestyle that they want for themselves. Now, mm -hmm. what you see is when you were saying, Dr. Nafi, that they end up settling for Mm -hmm. less than what they had wanted. Mm -hmm. See, this is what I notice a lot is, especially the Gambians that go abroad, those women that are educated, they come back home with their degrees, with their good jobs, and they're mm -hmm. able to leverage the experience they've had abroad, come home, perhaps get a job at the UN or a really good bank or some embassy or some private firm, and you're making good money. However, mm -hmm you look around and the guys that are making the kind of money that you're making are most likely already married. Mm -hmm. They're older, right? So it's like either you want to go in and be a second wife or you just want to be a first wife. So you marry someone who's perhaps not as financially stable as you are, not as educated as you are. And then there's the sutra culture, our Mary, you also mentioned. So you get into the marriage and you're like, you know, we'll just make it look good. But then what you find when you dig a little deeper, just take one or two of them out to lunch. They're tired mm -hmm. because what you realize <laughs> is that the men yep. are comfortable letting yeah. the women lead in every way. I remember sitting at lunch with one of the ladies who has a pretty good job at a good institution. And she was like, my husband doesn't even pay cash power. The mm. other one was like, my husband doesn't pay school fees. The other one said, oh, I pay the rent. Like, let me let you, like, they're not trying to step up in any way. They're just comfortable letting these women handle all the financial responsibilities. And we know that the women are also responsible for all the social obligations as well on. as the children's education. That can be overwhelming. I don't mean to cut you off, but let, let me just say something, okay? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The reason the men are comfortable doing that, if we must be honest, is that us women let them be that comfortable exactly. okay because i like i in gambia my mind is blown where you see women working so hard to get certain things and they could be working for years just to get a car once they buy that car you know what they say oh my husband bought me this car my husband bought me this gold jewelry girl you better stop lying <laughs> you gotta stop trying to make him look good and tell the crazy. you all know um, I'm, my connection is full speed honey so <laughs> it, it's true 
I and I think about that. And I'm like, so we have that culture where you struggle and buy yourself. I this this like this happens even in my extended family. I have witnessed it. Where this lady, I know because clearly financially, I know that she struggled. And then she goes and, and, you know, struggles, struggles, struggles with a little bit of money. And then here you see her in public. I'm with her. She's telling the neighbor or somebody else that her husband just bought her this fabulous gold necklace and outfit she's wearing. She just went and like, she didn't even pay for it yet. How do they call it? She like put it on layaway, so to speak. Oh, Lord have mercy. How they do. You know, mm. so you, you went and got it and then you're paying it slowly, like little wow. by like layaway thing. So, yeah. but she was busy telling the neighbors that her husband had bought her that. So we have this mentality of struggling to do stuff for ourselves. And then we go and boost up our men's ego by telling the community, my husband bought me this because we, in a way are raised to think that we should not embarrass our men. We should always boost them up. And you know what? Mm. They're feeling comfortable because they don't have to do a damn thing. You're going to pay everything and you're going to go out on the street and tell people that he did it. He's paying for school fees when you know he was not. So mm-hmm. I think this has made some of the men very comfortable in not having to make any efforts at home. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And obviously it's not all men that are like that, but mm-hmm. this type of men that we're talking about who are just, you know, these are the same people you see in the villages, Papa Yangi talk Shibanta Babi, when the women are in the market or they're in the fields. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a cultural mindset that has been engraved in our in Gambia for quite a long time, like from generations, where mm-hmm. you see the older men are just chilling. And you ask around, because when I went up to the villages to do, you know, some of our medical trips, that's the one thing that, you know, jumped out at me. And I noticed it is that the men in different villages that we went to, we saw a lot of these men sitting under these big trees and the bantaba, they're drinking attire, they're chit-chatting. And then when we ask, a lot of the women are at the markets, they're in the rice fields, they're digging under the hot sun, or they're cooking. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's a cultural thing that we have to revisit. Why is it that the women are always holding down the fort? You know, whether it's, you know, and nowadays especially is just, you know, uh, financially, you know, and emotionally at home and everything else in between. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so it makes them exhausted. Women are exhausted. Women are depressed. Women are overworked. Women are just, it's, it's, it's really I, I don't know. We, we, we can't talk enough about the self-love that is lacking in our community. Right. I, That's true. What do you think, Awa? No, I mean, I think really uh, you've pounded on it for sure. Um, on the topic there of just women really being the breadwinners at home and having to settle and so on. Um, But I think another thing too that Anna mentioned were um, especially folks coming from the diaspora and they are younger and um, 
you know, uh, having to manage a household or something like that. Anna, maybe you can elaborate a little bit more. And I must say, I've seen that, um, you know, there's actually a friend of mine who went through that, where, you know, the parents in the household, they don't tell you anything. So, for example, in this case, um, the young guy has siblings in the Gambia. Um, obviously, all the siblings, he's the youngest, but he is treated like the king um, because he's the one abroad and bringing in all the cheddar, right? So bringing in all the money. Um, and so he's treated so like, you know, he makes the decisions in the house, tells you what to cook today, you know, what to do, what not to do to a point where, you know, they can't tell him even if he's messing up in his own life just because he's providing and I just feel like the sincerity um, that we had, you know, raising children, like, where is that at some point where are the standards, um, you know, what what does money or wealth have to do with anything about telling people the right thing of how you feel and so on. So um, and it's just the poverty mindset and it's, and it's unfortunate. So I'll let Anna talk about it more. Yeah, thank you. Uh, this was the perfect transition into this topic, which is having young family members making money who are financially independent and being given the leadership and head of family position without the wisdom, the experience needed to serve the family's purpose. So most of the time what you have is any of these young guys who get the chance to go to even Italy or you get to just go anywhere in Europe, America, London, all of a sudden you're sending these foreign currency. So now you are the king. So when you come home, especially for vacation or anything. So all the family problems have been tabled and been waiting for you so that when you come, everyone can bring their case to you. And most of the time, these young men don't have the experience. They don't even know how to, to give the proper advice. So what happens is then they ilif kilifai. So the, the, the older men in the family who rightfully, after all these years of having experience, haven't gone through all the different ups and downs in life and can really, you know, give advice that's meaningful, they put them to the side. And then they take these young men who are coming from whatever foreign country they're coming from with their pounds, dollars, euros, and then they make them the important one. And then it's like, well, here, so this cousin and his wife are having issues. My mom and, and my uncle are fighting over land. Um, here, we have someone who was impregnated, someone we're telling them to marry them, but they don't want to get married. And these are topics that are too heavy for these young mm -hmm. men to handle. And they will never say, ah, let me pass it on to Sumapa, or this is too heavy for me, let me pass it on to uncle so-and-so, or let me pass it on to my dad or my dad's brother. They like the importance that it's giving them while they're destroying families. I saw that so many times. And I'm just like, just because you're paying more than half of the household expenses because you have the foreign income, just because everyone seems to be your dependent because everyone's calling you for school fees, for hospital bills, for rent. This mm -hmm. one wants to buy land. This one wants to go to America and they need a ticket. Whatever they need, they're calling you. And you are also taking care of all the living arrangements for your parents and most of the time your siblings and their spouses. So whenever there's an issue, they come to you, but there are certain family issues that 
it comes with certain wisdom and maturity that if you don't have it, you're not going to be able to fix these problems. You know, mm -hmm. and I, I don't know, Dr. Nafi, if you ran or noticed any of these stories as you were in Gambia, because I heard too many of them. So the, as you were saying that, um, my mind just kind of drifted off to like when I was growing up, when I was a kid. So this has been going on for years. So in Gambia, and just I'm sure like in many other communities and countries, money talks, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you are the one who is financially, um, you know, footing all the bills, your importance gets, becomes much more high ranked than let's say your sister Kumba, who is selling at the market, right? So Kumba, for example, if she does not have enough to contribute to the household. So all of a sudden, her, whatever, you know, um, she would like to contribute to the family as far as advice-wise, nobody cares because it's Kumba. She sells at the market. So they equate what she does as a living with her importance in the household or in the family ranks. That's what's always happened. In, in, you know, I've, I've seen that happen. It's not a new phenomenon. It's, it's always been going on where you would see family members that are abroad sending money to the parents. The parents tend to favor them when it comes to arguments with the siblings themselves. The one who sends the most money is usually the one favored. They're always right. And the parents tend to say, eh, you know, you're, all, you're wrong. You're always the one picking on him or her. Why is that? It's because, I mean, if you think about it, um, you know, psychologically, it makes sense. You don't mm -hmm. want a hand that feeds you, right? And so if the hand that's feeding you is bit, then you may no longer get any food mm -hmm. in your mouth. And I think that's the mentality a lot of these older family members, the moms, the dads, the uncles they have is that, hey, this is the person who is feeding me and my family. He's the one taking care of me. I don't want to upset them or else the favors as far as financial, um, you know, financially taking care of us is going to stop. So we don't want to upset this person. We just have to, whatever he says or whatever she says goes. That's mm -hmm. the kind of thing that's happening. And, and that's been going on for a long time. I don't know if it's now amplified but I definitely know that it's been happening since I was a kid because I could remember neighbors um, whose families would be abroad and they would have family disputes and stuff where, you know, the one who is um, supposedly the less financially um, fortunate is always saying, you know, my family doesn't value my opinion just because I am, you know, a caretaker or just because I do this and this type of job, nobody really respects me as well as my brother who is abroad sending money every month, you know? So you hear things like that all the time. Yeah. I just wonder what's the impact that it's having on our society because, you know, there's, of course, we all understand that the, the status of head of mm -hmm. household, it feels good to the person who's <laughs> receiving it. So mm -hmm. it's easy to claim the status when you shouldn't or, or you miss the fact that you shouldn't be claiming it. But mm -hmm. I'm just like, the impact it has on families and society as a whole, I feel like it's just, for us Gambians, this is something we need to take a step back. Like, no matter how much money you have, 
nañ leen bay kilifa yi ñu nekk kilifa nañ leen bay di jël xalé yi ndaw yi di leen tek fo xamné ega guñ fa just because of alice you know mm-hmm. okay i'm not going to go into the wall of we'll do wall of later in the later in the episode uh, but i guess this also would be a good um transition for us into get into another topic which we wanted to touch on we noticed was um where the gambia stands as far as youth unemployment um mm-hmm. there's this forum that was supposed to take place i think it did already with dr ismail abaji with mauro jalo and babukar sala and mustafa sonko and they were supposed to tackle youth and employment in the gambia and right now we're looking at um a percentage of 41.5 mm-hmm. and of course with covid it has further exacerbated that crisis and i think it also you know leads to why you find a lot of these young women who are coming back home and they want to get married but these young guys don't have any jobs so therefore mm-hmm. they marry them with the understanding that they're going to be the financial breadwinner and i don't know if either one of you while you were doing your projects noticed or hired any young people or noticed the 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 huge gap when it comes to youth unemployment I'll go with you Dr um our Mary. Um so I would say for us um mm-hmm. with um all of our organizations underground we only hire youth actually. Um we have a couple older but we did intentionally want to make sure that we give a chance to the youth mm-hmm. and um help mold them and and you know create that um uh, uh pipeline of uh you know um Uh, what's the what's the name of it at least uh, i don't want to say the word accomplished but um at least experienced um uh, youth that they could end up working for us or they end up working somewhere else but at least we give them you know the right res- um experience and responsibility so they could do something else with their future um but i do see a lot a lot um because lack of opportunities there maybe jobs not available and then um you know there's there's that obviously and then there's another where you have another sector within the youth themselves depending on you know your background i feel like um that just are highly depending upon you know they've made up their minds they want to go the back way <laughs> and that's what they want to do then there's another sector that says you know i'm just going to go you know i'm waiting for my visa to go abroad to study or whatever that is um i think the notion of or um you know that that thinking of take fee which is like really making it in the gambia not a lot of people believe in that um and even when i talk to my own staff etc they'll tell you well i think you are where you are because you left right you left and you came back so i want to have that same chance to only just be like okay if you leave and come back then that's it and not saying that okay what can i do um to try to make the best of whatever i am provided in this case obviously it's you know maybe it's university of the gambia or maybe it's you know the uh, you know starting from a job and just kind of growing into it it's just the mindset is not there another mm-hmm. thing that i would say unfortunately from what i noticed is that um maybe a handful maybe to be honest from what i've seen they're hungry um to to the when i say hungry it's like they're really go getters they're really willing to roll their sleeves and do the work majority unfortunately majority are lazy very lazy um 
And um, because I just see it, I just look at it. Let's say I don't want to compare because obviously it's not like apples and apples. This is apple and oranges or even grapes. If you think about youth in the United States, if you think about youth here uh, in Europe or even other parts of Africa, I feel like most of the time, or even if you go to Senegal, you see the hunger. You give them a chance. They're willing to take it. Right. So whether it's free training you're providing, they're, they're there every day. They'll figure out a way. Um, you know, they come in with their notebook and pen ready um, mm-hmm. or they hear about an opportunity where there's not training. Let's say there's another opportunity. Somebody, you know, uh, there's an open house to do so and so and so. You don't see them, but they'll sit down and complain every day that they're not opportunities. And I'm not saying there are not a lot, but there is in some sort of way to hustle to get something right mm-hmm. there are people will complain there's you know first there's definitely you know the security is not where it needs to be but mm-hmm. second that you could do those type of jobs there's you can go clean the environment you can clean mm-hmm. homes for a living but they just look down upon their certain mm-hmm. jobs they're like no I'm not going to do that because you know this and this like I'm the status they just believe in the status of like I'm too good to do certain things but guess what boo when you get into the flight and go to Europe or you go to America you're going to be cleaning toilets that's what you will do right you're going to clean toilets because that's part of the job it's part of the job everybody if you work retail if you work at a restaurant at the end of the day you clean the damn toilet if you work in an office maybe there's a cleaner but if it's not you'll clean the, the toilet that you need to use and so I think that culture of mm-hmm. like there are certain things I am supposed to do there are certain things I'm not supposed to do and mm-hmm. unfortunately I do see that there um, mm-hmm. you know if the work day starts at eight o'clock you're not going to show up to 10 o'clock in the morning, but then you want to be in the same platform as other people who've worked their ass off to be Ooh. where they are. Speak on it. Right. Because that's what it is. At the end of the day, like, okay, I want to earn what you're earning. I want to live in the house that you're living. I want to do this, but honey, it took a lot of sacrifices, lack of sleep, cleaning toilets. If mm-hmm. I had to, mm-hmm. Whatever it had to do, staying up, you know, learning, um, whatever, whatever it took, I had to do that to be in the place that I'm in today. And I continue doing that when I tell people, oh, I was so tired, you know, the day before, you know, we got off at six o'clock. I'm like, honey, I got off at 11, went back home, did work, come back in the morning, maybe with two hours of sleep, Mm -hmm. like hustle. The hustles are different. Mm-hmm. The hustle is completely different and they just expe- expect everything to be served on a silver platter and given to them. And I'm not saying it's all, but majority mm-hmm. it's sad. And I, it hurts me. It really hurts me to see that, to say that some of these are just waiting for the easy way out, but they realize that when they go abroad that, Oh, this is actually the reality. And we're trying mm-hmm. to tell them like, look, that's fine. You don't want to do it in your home country, but when you go abroad, you want to do the same. Mm-hmm. You're not just getting up and going into an office, air conditioned, mm-hmm. and you don't have to do anything. That doesn't work like that. Or money's going to fall off your lap, right? And right. so um, to go back to your point, really, that's what I notice. It's, yes, there's lack of opportunities. Yes, a lot of people, um, you know, want to work that they can. 
But for the majority that I have seen, especially working, you know, in that startup space, in that entrepreneurial mm-hmm. space, within schools, within dealing a lot with the youth, a lot with the youth. That's pretty much my work in the Gambia for the past three years. Mm-hmm. I would say at least the people that I've seen, majority that I've seen are lazy. And I hate to say it like that, but they're lazy. So I, I have a I have a follow-up question on as far as people who are not willing to, let's say, clean toilets in the Gambia, but then when they go abroad, then they're doing the same jobs there. So my question is, why is that? Is it because while they're at home, there's too much pride, there's people who know them versus when they go abroad, nobody around there knows who you are. So it's okay for you to do jobs that you quote unquote considered degrading in your own country but that's because people can see you do them whereas in Europe maybe nobody you know is seeing you is judging you or you're feeling judged do you think that's why that is it's arrogance and ignorance it that's it that's all it is it's just really yeah. immaturity arrogance ignorance if you think about it right and pride you know it's yeah it's it has to all of it because of the way you raise you're not supposed to do this Monday night of Ligabi. It's just whenever you think about it, and you know, partners like, um, you know, spouses in this case, mm-hmm. men, mm-hmm. how many men do you see in your boredom or mm-hmm. what is it, um, you know, try to feed or yeah. waking up at night or change a diaper for, for goodness sakes? Not a lot. How many do you see? They don't because they'll tell you that's a job of a woman, like yeah. but it's that mentality of that pride. I feel like pride and ego. If the breast milk, it. I feel like it's what they, it's it's what they, uh, growing up with, like mm-hmm. that culture of pride, ego, like leave that at the door. That's one. But I really think once you get there, it's a lot of ignorance huh, and arrogance that you have in you, and you mm-hmm. quickly put and whipped into shape to say, you know what, that shit, excuse my friend, does not work in this place. I don't mm-hmm. care who you are back home. You're a king, queen, whatever. But here, everybody's got to clean a toilet if you got to use it, mm-hmm. right? And that's just what it is. Um, mm-hmm. And just to know that, okay, no job is beneath me. Mm-hmm. Like, we talk about equality. We want this. We want that. But then you don't want to do the work. Mm-hmm. But you want everything to be handed. They tell you, for example, you have to go through these trainings. I'll give you an example. Like, okay, you have to go to uh, six classes, and at the end of the class, you might have a chance to get a grant or maybe to get a loan or whatever. Mm-hmm. But you want to come one day and then the next day you will not come. And then the next day you will not come. Then you come back the other day. But then you want everything kind of emailed to you. But then you also want to win that money. It doesn't work like that, honey. It takes sacrifice. If you they tell you, for example, be in this training for six days, go for all six and stay for eight hours each. And, and, and sit down and ask questions and follow up. That's how you make it. That's how those rich people that you see around, that's how they made it. And yeah. that's what you emulate. That's what they made. Like, if you think about, you know, the people in Gambia that is doing good, like Uncle Theft or even Salt Frazier, like in real estate, they'll tell you their journey was very rocky. It was not mm-hmm. one day they woke up and then thinks they had it in a platter mm-hmm. or you know, a uh, Fatu network that has her thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, or so and so, so many, you know, yeah. attorneys and, and so on. It takes sacrifices. Things, mm-hmm. you know, the youth just need to wake up to know it takes a lot of work. You can't hip hop 
anywhere, hip hop. But then you want to be this successful entrepreneur. I always sometimes I sit down and I'm like, how do they expect for you? To, how do they expect them to be successful without having skin in the game, putting things in? Like, mm-hmm. let me also put my own value into it. You can't just ha- you know, expect a handout. It doesn't work mm-hmm. like that. It doesn't. And I think, you know, I love where you're going with this, Almer. You're very passionate about it because with your woman boss, you're also experienced to a lot of the youth. Um, but you're also, I feel like, experienced to the women. And we all know in Gambia, women, the women are the, they're the rock stars. By all means. I think it's also worth mentioning, of course, some of the contributing factors to youth unemployment, you have the lack of experience, you also have the inappropriate ways for searching for a job. We don't have job centers everywhere where young people can go in and figure out how do I look for a job. There's also the lack of career guidance in schools. We don't have guidance counselors who are there to tell you, okay, when you graduate or before you graduate, let us know what do you want? What do you see for yourself? What's the trajectory? How do you get there? So that is not there. And then you also have, of course, everybody wanting to be an entrepreneur. And I think you're right, our Mary. We need to have more of the people we look at as successful, like the Gambian millionaires, to share their stories so that people can know the journey it took to where they are today. Because when all they see is the the shine shine, all they see is the big house, the beautiful cars, and you flying in and out, going in and out of the Gambia airport, they think that happened overnight because they didn't hear the struggle of Taf having his mom selling at the market and him running to go make bricks, him running to go figure out what contractor work is out there that he could work so that mm-hmm. he could learn the business and how many years it took him of doing that to be the Taf that he is today. Everybody wants to be the next Tiga. Tiga didn't get to where she is overnight. Everybody wants to be the next chop shop. These young entrepreneurs, or now everyone wants to be Kaba girl. Everyone wants to just cut a Kaba Jam jam jam, dugal kani horom. Jam jam put it in a bottle. I'm being honest. Everyone <laughs> thinks they can be the next kabah girl. You know, everybody thinks that they want to be the next. Um, what's the girl that makes all the cakes? Uh, Sengor, uh, Mariama Sengor. Mariama. Ma. Yeah, Ma, Ma Sengor. Mm. Yeah, sweet box. Or everyone wants to be. So it's like these people. This young lady had to quit her bank job, figure out where to get the money to invest, go out of the country, leave her husband and her children to go get certified so she can come back and make better cakes. So today she's able to make cakes for weddings and make five tier cakes and seven tier cakes, but it took hustle and struggle for her to get there. And it's like, we need to amplify the stories of the journey it takes for people to get to success. And and these are girls I'm talking about, or the girl that makes the donuts. These are girls that are entrepreneurs. They're trying. They're not even at the pinnacle of their success, but they have a little bit of success. There's a little bit of limelight on them. And then Uh Gambia is such a small country that the market easily gets saturated. How many cake makers do we really need in Gambia? Let's be honest. Because the problem is we get a lot of copy pasters. That's what I call them. Copy pasters. Our Mary, you did a hub. I'm going to do a hub. Copy paste. And the thing is, and I've put this out, you can cook the same supakanja, but the recipe, even if I give you my recipe, it will not taste the same, honey. It will not taste the same. So they need to stop the copy and pasting. However, here's the thing, right? I always say, 
there's enough market if you know what you're doing. If you don't mm-hmm. know what you're doing, please don't copy and paste. Mm-hmm. But if you feel like you know what you're doing and you really know how to bake cake, go ahead and bake a cake. But make sure you're not copy and paste it. Come, come. Learn. Bring vegan. Take the time. Take yeah, the time go to vegan. learn. Go gluten-free. There's options. Yes. Give do, us a healthier version. Yeah. Ver- a, do, a version. Yeah. You know so much. Do fondant because maybe there's no fondant cakes in the in the Gambia. But whatever the case is, make sure you have a little flair, something that's different with yours from everybody Absolutely. else have to offer. Also, Absolutely. go and ask Ma Sengor, how did you start? How can I get into that program that you got into? Where did you apply? Gambians are so prideful that mm-hmm. asking questions is out of, like, they don't do that. That's not something mm-hmm. we do. You just got to yeah. have to figure it out on your own. And we all know smart people are the ones that ask questions. Mm-hmm. But, you know, um, Dr. Nafi, uh, yes. Before we, we, we harp on this uh, topic any further, I wanted to get into <laughs> you and because last time I feel like we didn't really get the chance to hear from you and some of the, the, the tips that you wanted to make sure that you share with all Gambians, especially us in the diaspora who want to go and visit when it comes mm-hmm. to healthcare, how do we navigate the healthcare system or lack of healthcare system in the Gambia? And what can we do to make sure that our two week trip, uh, four week trip to go see your mom, if you sick, you know, you're able to come back home. Cause we've heard so many stories of people going for vacation right, and dying right. from something right. very small. Right. So yeah, we definitely, those are things that I have recently noticed and not just noticed, but you know, have personally experienced it. So for me, all these years that I've been going to Gambia and volunteering and doing all these medical trips, it, I mean, it's, it is in the back of my mind that, you know, you got to take care of yourself. What if you get sick? But this trip that I did a month ago, this was actually the first time that I have ever became the patient in, you know, sort of speak. So I was, I, you know, I had a medical emergency when I was there and I have to tell you guys, I'm not sure if, well, actually I am sure. I think that there was a reason why I had the, you know, the experience that I had because it gave me a different perspective. You know, I go, I see these people, I go to villages, I, I see the, need the lack of um, medical facility, you know, and the struggles that people are going through just to get some not even decent medical help. And so you see it because you're on the other side of it, you bring the help, and then you go back home. So I, I, I couldn't really say that I have I experience what they are experiencing. And so for the first time, when I went this time around and I had a medical emergency and had to go to the um, uh, private clinic, let me tell you, I having trouble breathing and there was no sense of urgency. There was no doctor to be found anywhere. And there are people who are the first thing when I got there to the clinic was that they asked me to pay in order for anybody to even see me before they even knew what my issue was. I had to pay. And that blew my mind. And they were, this was a private clinic that was asking me to pay almost $200, not dollars, dollars. Who in Gambia is walking around with that in their pocket? Not a lot, you know? 
And so after I, you know, I was just like, in my mind, in America, when I see a patient either in my, you know, whether it's an urgent care or is it the emergency room that I'm working, we never ask about financial stuff. We treat the patient. They walk in, we treat them. Whether you have insurance or not, we don't care. We will still save your life. In Gambia, though, they don't give a shit if you're dying. You need to give them money. Even if they cannot save you, they still want your money, which is so unethical. But it happens. You know, that's a whole different story that we need to get into. Why certain clinics who are not well equipped to do anything are still taking your money and then sending you to, to RVTH to go die there. It's happening every day. And so for me, when I sat in that wooden chair at that clinic, literally my hands, like my, my jaw is like resting on my hands. And I'm saying to myself, wow, like this is actually how I'm going to die is I'm going to be sitting mm -hmm. little chair next to, I don't even know who's next to me. It's just regular everyday folks sitting in chair patiently waiting to see a doctor who is nowhere to be found in that building. And I am having such a difficult time breathing, no oxygen, nothing. I had to ask for a stethoscope so I could listen to myself just so I know what the hell's going on. Like, you know, my heart and lungs. And so I sat in that little chair and I'm just like, I felt so defeated and mm. so helpless that I, for a second, felt what the layman everyday Gambian person is feeling as in terms of healthcare. I never thought I would feel that, but I am so grateful that I did because boy, did it open up my eyes mm -hmm. on things we need to fix. I could have died on that chair because there was no help that was coming soon to me. If I honestly, it, thank God it happened that they did, they all did all the checks and everything, testings. I was fine. There was nothing really wrong with me. I still cannot explain what that was. Only God mm -hmm. knew what that was. But I thank God that I'm still alive and okay today. But I like I could have died sitting there waiting had that been a real emergency. Because when I couldn't breathe, my first thought was that I had just flown a long distance to Gambia. Maybe I had a I had a um uh a clot in my leg from sitting too long and it had gone up to my lungs. Maybe I had a pulmonary embolism that can kill you just like mm -hmm. that. So in my mind, as a medical personnel, my mind was cooking. I started thinking of all these things that could be going on inside. And then I realized, Oh shit. If I had a PE, which is a pulmonary embolism, I would be dead before they even know what hit me. There was nowhere that they could help me in Gambia with that kind of a complication. So it then got me thinking, we all go to Gambia all the time for a 10-day week, you know, vacation to mom and dad, to see family for a two-week vacation. Most of us don't think to get insurance, health insurance. Most importantly, it's called like emergency medical evacuation kind of insurance. Mm -hmm. When you are sick, whether you got hit because the, the truth is when we go to Gambia, we're all in cars going from point A to point B, you can get into an accident. You can get to an accident where you would need em yeah, emergent surgery 
which may not be happening in Gambia. You could have a heart attack where you need to have stents placed in your heart. We don't do those things in Gambia. And you may need to be airlifted to maybe Senegal because they have better medical facilities and capabilities than we do, right? And so we don't think about these small things. And that's why I, I share my experience here today just to you know, educate other people that when you do go to Gambia, you want to make sure, yes, you're from Gambia, you're used to the hustle and bustle and the poor medical facilities there, but you do need to realize that when you do have an emergency, you are pretty much as good as dead, if we're going to be honest. And so you want to make sure you plan accordingly, you get medical insurance where you can get, you know, medical evacuation even to Senegal if you need to in case of an emergency. I don't know if that's common knowledge for a lot of people, but I thought that I would bring it up today and kind of shed some light on it so that when people do go or plan to go in the future or moving forward to think about that. And they're really easy to get. You can go online um, and just search like um, travel insurance or travel medical you know, evacuation insurance. And you will be able to see a lot of different ones that they have available. And they're not that bad. You can pretty much get some really good ones for like a couple hundred bucks. You know, and imagine that. At that point when I my ass was sitting on that dry bench, honey, $200 was no big deal. I would pay an eyeball to have somebody give me oxygen. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Yeah. So, so it was, it was a real eye opener for me. And, and it, it opened up a lot of our um, just, you know, like um, flaws that we have medically, you know, and, and I, like I said, I saw all these people sitting there and my heart just bled for them because some of them patiently waiting, having chest pains, having difficulty breathing. And there was no sense of urgency in terms of the staff, you know, coming to like prep you, triage you, give you this, give you that. No, they tell you to sit patiently for some, a doctor you've already paid, by the way, waiting for a doctor who may show up in a couple of hours. You could be dead. So that is something that we need to look into as far as like, um, you know, regulations of what is the stipulation of when should you be seen? If you're running a private clinic where you are accepting people with certain um, level of acuity, meaning sickness, you know, it's one thing to see a patient who has a broken leg, a cut that needs to be sutured versus accepting patients that may be having heart attacks. How can you accept a patient who's having a heart attack when number one, you don't even have oxygen in your facility? Like, Ooh. what are we doing? What are we doing? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so we need, as a people, we need to want better and we need to demand better of our people and of, of our, our, our um, government mm -hmm. because people are dying needlessly is what it is. People are dying needlessly. The, most people that are dying every single day in Gambia is things that if they were here or had they been in a different country, like a developed country like America, they would not be dying. And I'm sorry when people say, oh, yo, you better, you know what? I'm going to let you all go. And I that, like that just pisses me off when people say things like that. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Because it's just, no, Negligent. it's 
but come on, some things are just medical negligence is what it is. It's pure medical negligence. And we hide behind our religion and our culture and we make excuses for these, you know, incompetent medical professionals. We're making excuses for these people. I know this because why? My mom and dad both died due to medical negligence of doctors in Gambia who own private companies and they were the lousy, my parents received the lousiest treatment. And as a result of that, they both died, you know? And so every day was still saying, oh, you know, doctors are doing so well. They tried all they can. You cannot open a private clinic when you don't even have oxygen. I'm sorry, but that is not acceptable. And we should not be okay with that kind of status quo. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And, and that's what I saw when I was in Gambia. And that's why I figured I need to talk about it and my experience. And I am okay, thank God. But, you know, I, it, it just opened my eyes to how helpless the everyday person must be feeling in Gambia when you go to Banjul Hospital, go to whether it's mm-hmm. Farah or wherever, and you just sit mm-hmm. there patiently until you die, knowing that death is coming but there's nothing that you can do. Nobody can help you. That's how I felt. Mm. Well, you all should have seen me laying on this little bench, listening to my Ayatul Kursi. I was like, Lord, take me. I am happy. That's how nervous I was. And, and in, in, in a sense that, wow, like out of all the places in the world, you know, and with all of the stuff, the education that I have done to save people, and here I am sitting on a bench, I may not be able to be saved. That was what was going on in my mind. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is ironic, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm here trying to save lives, and I, I'm here. I might be dying tonight, you know, mm-hmm. because nobody else could help me. And so that just, oh, it really, it, 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 it made me, it made me realize something just, yeah, it's, we need to work on that. We re- and I, I figured sure. this we need to talk about because we're all open to this kind of experience. Well, all of us, nobody is immune to it. Any yeah. single one of us could go to Gambia and be in that same position for, I mean, like we just talked about a young lady who went to Gambia and for vacation and died. You know what I mean? From the U S Mm-hmm. So this is not something made up or far-fetched thing. It is happening all the time. You know what I mean? And, and it's scary to think that, wow, when you do go back home, you could have a medical emergency and not make it just because of lack of medical, you know, well-equipped facilities or just pure negligence, you know? And that's something that we need to amplify. We need to talk about it. And we need to bring it out in the open. So it needs, it needs to be a, a, not just addressed, but like rectified. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. No. Dr. No. Nafi, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, you know, a part of me wants to be like, ah, Dr. Nafi, Chalit. But because I <laughs> remember you calling and the story and how bad it got and how far it went, I know how serious the situation was. So you know, thankfully, alhamdulillah, you're able to sit here and narrate the story because it could have gone completely left. Just like Mm -hmm. you said, we've heard not just weeks ago about, you know, a young lady who went home and 
you know, the day she was supposed to come back to to the U.S., she passed away. And it's not just that one young lady. It happens all the time. So we can't take for granted that we're just going to go to Gambia for two weeks and come back. Anything can happen while you're there. And like Dr. Nafi said, none of us are exempt. So I think we should um, wrap up for this episode. I think we did a good job of mentioning all the things we wanted to discuss from being Mm -hmm. in Gambia, what we observed, what we saw, some of the things. And I know it might come off like, oh, y'all are just giving negative impressions of the Gambia. That's not it. But we can't also just focus on the beautiful beaches and smiling coast and good food. We, we were here to talk about the real life issues that us as Gambians are dealing with, whether we're in Gambia or we're here in the diaspora and mm-hmm. us concerned Gambians. So mm-hmm. um, I know we're going to do the languages today because, you know, all three of us are here. And our Mary, you made some promises last episode. I sure did. I sure did. Today, it's all about Fula, honey. But I'll let you all go first. How are you doing it? Tell your mom, Mbada, but again. Tanala, our. Tanala, Jamtun, Walendra, Gaulenga, translate. Just hurry on. Wambokai, they soon will be the far gata, the melna summarizal, soon episode be telling you what done. Then continue to see first episode season three, then don't what done, man, Dr. Nafi. Our Mary, Yepadem Gambia, for vacation, Dr. Nefi, definitely for medical trip. Our Mary, definitely for Ligay, a women boss um, organization, Ambi, um, on um, gender based violence. Them plus you, Bari, Wahahale, Nekasi, schooly, educate them and also raise awareness. Bepare Jangalen, Bepare Wahanyom, Yifi women um, leadership. Bepare Tay, then Dukasi Wahi unemployment bineka Gambia, Hamne Amna Nubari, Hamne Nugi, Hale, you know, Nugineka Gambia, then your dem Janga Bewacha, Bepare Dunmuna Amligay. So Danga Gisne Nubari, then your dem Neka Watchman, then your dem Neka Bindan, so Danga almost feel like Con dem school, banjering lama amal. Why amna nyo hamne nak de nyo dem wacha? Why see de nyo dem pur yel mindu, pur neka mindan, wala dem neka watchman, wala dem neka si si restaurant di ligay, di di neka waiter, wala di clean bathroom. Our meri luk de galafiwa, mune amna nyun nyu bari beer gambiet, si de nyo def fason ligay yoyu. Why te so nyu yobu wan jamani wala go yobu nyu london, nyung fadira has kama ite kendu complain. So then you want to buy the diesel swing bopa, watch a swing bopa, te hamne, te so gise mag kilifai neka swing decay, nino oye nyom tough, nyom tough global. Te so gise nyu neka millionaire, state win millionaire, he yun rek neka millionaire. Tough si bopam de la dinala wane yayam daf dan jay panket, si marsebi. Mom si bopam bumo duga si construction daf dan dem di defal bricks. No la dore, bete mumuna neka for hamne, nyunko oye, one of the richest men in Gambia. So nyun Gambian binyo wara understand ni. Fok nyu wachi ye suin bopa. Oyo fal suin bopa. Te buin bandara. Lune kadafa amfu modore. So suin buga ye teki ilik. Buga teki suin bir dekai. Te bai di duga sigali. Di dao bat weyi. Bepari di fajile ye na inga ganyu. Do muna nyipsisa. Ye na nyu yobu la bifofu. Nyu toro hala. Bepari de lola. Nga wunye kusi. Bepari mugina te neka gache si yow. Munga teki si suin bir dekai. Why fuck new watches swing bopa, oya for swing bopa, te bandi defaso ni lige yo hamne de nyo gisne, nyun den pase lulunda, nyun nyo gin ni def lulu. Kigina muna lige, moi ki teki ili. Wata nen fitamit, wahi nekasi se yo hamne hale jigeni, nyo def luneka. 
yen hale yi gori tamir war ngeen ak tahawte jappale sen jabari hale yi jigeni bir banjul ñoo nek di ñefé ñoy liggey ñoy topato hale yi ñoy toga ñoy dépense sen bir kéri ñoy fay school fees hale yi jigeni nak ñu ngi leena wax yeen ñep njaarama buy sen liggey rafetna waye ne ngeen also laaj sen gori pour ñu tahawulen bu leen nek rek sutural sen gori su ko defé minal leen ko ba paré ñom tamit ñu baña nek gor baña taxaw dimbalé leen ci xalé yi dimbalé leen ci rent gi dimbalé leen ci yiñ leen wara dimbalé ndax yeen ñaar ngeen ñeen ñeen ñaar yeb so leen daané seen doole de ngeen gëna sori waye yo xalé bu jigeen bi rek so eno yeb def ko sa bopa number 1 daf la indi stress number 2 do ci happy ci sa bir seydi number 3 da nga tok be sa jikar dang ko xol diko xep doko xolé gor sax because yow yaay def lu neka so suñ bañé lolu nañ leen xol suñ jikar ci bir bo ne leen yow tamit da nga daan suma doole sa doole ma daan suma doole suñ family bi muna jëm kanam wax nañ fi tamit waye xalé yu gor yo xamné da nga na neka ci out bi di yoni xaliss so len ñëwé ngeen fok né yeen yeen ay king su ko défé family bi yépp ñu ilif mak yi fa neka tek len yeen ci kaw té amul len majority bi pour waxal family bi amul len wisdom bi pour joxé advice su ko défé ngeen neka di jaxasé fu neka sa sa raka bu goor wala sa mag bu goor su ñëwé né la dafa am problème jabaram yow sudé yow seyulo wala sey nga way sa sey bi dafa ef wala problème bi yow sa bopa musulo ko fiss wax ko sa papa wala nga wax ko sa magi papa wala nga wax ko benen kilifa ko xamné muna lena waxtanal waxtan bo xamné dafa défar liñ bëgga moy ñuy défar té bay di yaaxa docteur nafi waxtan waxtan nafi né ñun mi nga xamné ñu ngi ci diaspora bi té dé délu banjul pour dem vacation nañ leen dé bay hel ci health insurance because jam demam la xam xamut ñuwam so bo tagone ya ngi dem holiday nga dem fa daanu fa febar suñ medical institution ci neka bir gambia dara neku fa so day len de make sure na yena ngi out medical insurance nga xamni so fa febare wala dara jot la mun nañ la medivac helicopter bi ñew from senegal dugal la yobu la senegal su ko defé ñu mun la fatch fofu nak nga muna ñip ci ak sa bakan muna waxtan waxtan bobu because ñun ñu bari dañ dé foné vacances mom 2 weeks 3 rek weeks rek la dara duma fa jot amna ñu bari ñuko fi wax té dem nañ del ci wuñ so ñu bayyi suñ hel ci lolu tamit wa docteur nafi harama bayyi la nga dugga ci soosé bi jërëjëf way ana madingol he fa moketa billahi man ding ka ka ciamé tam maké nga break le tanu bari fim felenti muruntan ko tenké mbal kontona albé mol support la mum bi la so bi na ka ca ba continuer kan nenu ndoronga ka chamun kenun na last episode wolon ndoron ko ndening ana aning awameri ndol host sabol mbeta tanu gambiele nun kata holiday la aning kata do goni ma koy rola so nde ntata do ko sifa mun nanu je wolon ni mbadi ngol ni nteri mal tata nga borol samba bayrin tebe dinkira do ko mun na wolon lopitan do ko tin kawale kin temu doktoroliti so ntata nga borol samba kata ni raro la kama koy roke ka fengol di mol la bayri ngalo ne ko mo jamal mbadi jamal be gambia symbol man sia so kajele sa wo san sinya fula a fenko konon sita sango konon sita ngata ma koy roke nga fengol samba bari awa awa meri wolon na host do tiate fanang atata gambie wato munna bi jiate ning ana be so atika do ko munki je wolon ka 
musolla dinkirato akado ko kawole to kama koy roke kamusol ke kafundi ka ke ma koy foise ise karango keno ye do kol keno business ole lafta kamunke kawol be yom fandiye and then nga mumfanan kacaja wolonko dindingol mu yalonko do ko wan soto you know na 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 kambandingol na funding kel na sunkutundingol mu yalonko do ko do ko be kolyaren do ko be kolyaren barifana na dindingol buka sonna do ko sifa doltala abe dorong ha nte malla fini do ko sifa kala nte malla fi molye nyembe mbenyi nyon do ko sifa kala motela fila kala mbindani yake la motela la fila kala a uh, moto dadala ke la wala mekanik yake la abe pour mundoron ka foko ha nte manke o mosi fati nte bota a uh, uh, family mundo nte man taratar la sila mbe do kambe nyindo ku sifa ke la abe doron pour doron ngam fam fandi ka foko nte do ku sifa do ke la so do ku bam you know soto balia be siare na sate wako no so nga foko al ngam hakilo tu do ku soto nintol nata america ikajele hani dol bije kama ko fandol ka ke bari nimbe gambia mbuka so wodo kusi falke la fanko dron fa wara ya dron ka foko hande nde warta nyindo kusi file nde okela so ngaw fanan kacha janko ngam fan hak ngam hak kiloto woto because wo fanan be mol batandi kambakele you know about na kanko na 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 kambandingol na funding kel ni musunkutol ibe felenti be torari gambia mobe be baturola pour yeta tubabdu yeta do kola bari mo man sonna do kol kel gambia you know dolbi jele ka ke bara man siya baki jamal be siri be baturola so bitun jenne be sirimbe baturola wala bedani rola be mbuloti lindila mbadingol ye munbe america bedani rokela alngan tewol sitting awuli nga do kundingol soto munbe gambia nga wol fananke nkanam fammalundi do kuti gambia so nga fananka chaja anin kata dia mukafu ko mol mulyalon ko komun taf ni kewo kafu muyeko taf construction ay business o mun soto you know nga fanan ko you know nyentele ka wonyom mo si falla kool kacha mu ya lonko itatale ya kata ya kata ye do kutije mamunke fo bi felentinga alhamdulillah ye mo be long gambia you know taf mo be ya long gambia you know a do kuola je aning aning ay do ku si fa munke bari ala ala do ku bi mo be ya long abe 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 successful ring amanke nu wonya all the time aya fananta you know time jamale la jannabe futalabe damen sai you know abama ka wafir ningol mul bekeno you know iba katala doman doma wo be nyantale ka kacha maybe nyimbati nalale na fonding kewol yaaje ko ibuka silun kilindoro yeko do soto ika katale yedo kundingo ke ya kata ya kata you know yekutu kato la ka janni binaf ibina you know jannin kubetela you know so bitunga wo fanam because moy bu kawli lunkirin ro yafo ko lafta ko do sotlale ko karibe nyame wala you know kumba be nyame you know ye 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 um fatu network nyol be jube be meta katala you know ibe do kundingol kala ibe ku jamal kala you know fo sila felenting alhamdulillah fanam be ibe damentem is successful to mo jamal be look la towards them ibe tol jube le ka fo hem fana lafta kelale ko kare you know bari way do ku jamal eta pour ye futa auto so nga o fanan kaccajan anden nga kudo fanan mum fo wolonko you know uh, na musol mulbe gambia muya lonko itolle be kordal borindile itolle be kordal marala you know ibita marse wolto ibe business ol kela you know so na kewol fanan laftale bitu ngadiya muyem badin kewol nin onkul nyol alfana ye musol makoy because musol be batarin suwokono dindingol la school fees musol le bajola a uh, uh, rent nyin juma depanso musol le bajola kuroning safuna jo musol le bajola so bitum musol fanam bare musol nal nga kacci ko kacciade 
alfanang fendim fending albeke wol ñi ñandila alba fo loka tele ñi oro sañi atele ñi urus ngala mo sañi ndum be ngala ne mu fan yaale ti tele ya say fayé yela ko do dajale fo ya sañ barike wobe siri jang amantara do kula abe ataya minna banta bato lungolu ñi tebita wafir ni ngolay be ko do nati lay be depanso bondila bari nga kewol dalindi wo fananale so mba fo la ko bitum ko barin kewol alfana ye wuli ali kata ali mbari musul makoy ali mutandi do mandi you know parce que bata ketanal buwo ko no bitundu mo fulale nyanta ka je muta mus mo kilindron ta mutala kilindo e tara da xarin doro you know wo fanam buka benno sila lafta diamul la bango mum fanan ngajema do mandi wolon doron ko ning mbadi ngol mul be diaspora to nalbe murun na gambia albita alal hakiloto because nalta ta gambia fanam be ngalon ne ko gambia lopitanol lopitanol be nyameng amambetia you know so ni tata bitum foy medical emergency soto nde ngakachado fo jankonte nani sangol be munnan kata gambia be ma koy rola mbita fo santoto be be borol di lambe mol be mol fenkela uh, you know be jarala so barinte nyinan kabrin tata gambia be do kokela mfanan sasa ta je so nawo sasa kono ay ayati na nyaayal ta ngaku jamaaje lopitan ko yaati na ko hani ma koy boro fagon tata lopitano mun ton sita jele siranka nini modol be be sirin de sanbe baturola pour pour doctorena wodu yente nyaayal le ka djube walat nan ko batu bin saku wakacha ni be bola diaspora to ibita holiday la hanna be kala 2 weeks leti i hakkilo to je jongo ngafo nyaame yetato le no me long ime nato ima long folo so nin tata gambian kanafo ko bita 10 days doron ne kala je wala 2 weeks nalbita ali make sure ko ali health insurance so nyini ikafai ko emergency medical evacuation health insurance ali wonyini al sajube no online aliasang isaje ni futata je ni medical emergency soto lombang fo hard attack lombang fo accident to lombang ko ko muya long ko tato to no la gambia idumbe solaring pour mo helicopter ene kama aye chika ay samba senegal inyante ye insurance so sang ni insurance so sang ibajele ni emergency soto doro ye no bakumandi isaji se fenko ki yena yene yene evacuate medvac kabo gambia ke samba senegal ke makoy wala ke murundi ibota dame wala koyta so ngombatum fanam bi ngafo nga ko kaccay saje nga nyo hakile mayandi isaji nalbe murun nakote gambia in the future mobe ye hakiloto woto ye make sure ko ye wonyine pour dorong in case of an emergency yamoy so nga wonyon kundingol le katchaaje dorong ko mun kabrintata dorong you know nga different experience nyol mun soto je ku bete ku kuruma anything you know nga domorol de wo nga wokele wo fo malombe kele nyaame wo wo always kadial so fonse bete manin kuriyari nga fengo be nga mun be experience fonsa be fo drom pour nga nyo educate so bi natanun kana wonde domandin ne katchaaje yamoy all right take it away awa in fuller please You hear me? Yes, how I can hear you. Yes. Okay, good. Right. Um so for the fuller <laughs> <laughs> my translation to all of that. I think you captured it really well cuz I could understand everything you said Amandinka. <laughs> and I feel like, you know, just to repeat all that, it will just be so much work. So I'm just going to keep it for the next one. Mm-hmm. And that episode, <laughs> the next episode, I'm going to start with the fuller first before we go any other language. Is that a deal? 
Yeah. That's the deal. That's perfect. That I think you hit it right on. Next episode, everybody will Get come ready. with a brand new topic. And um, our Mary will be giving us the full of flow 100 percent So make sure you tune in. Right, ladies? Right. Absolutely. Thank you, All right. Thank Bye. you. Bye-bye.